Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio from our webinar, Last Bite of the Cherry, Smash Your Q4 Targets. I was once again joined by an excellent panel of guests who all gave some amazing input into maximising the final quarter of your year. So without further ado, here is the podcast. Hello and welcome to this B2B Essential Skills Week webinar. I am your host, Brand Awareness Manager Joe Ducaro. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing last bite of the cherry, smash your Q4 marketing targets. So Q4 is somehow nearly here again, and the likelihood is it's going to make or break your year. It's the quarter in which budgets are stretched, reputations are occasionally tarnished, and legends are born. We've gathered a panel of marketing experts to discuss lessons learned and top strategies from 2022 to date, and what to focus on for the final stretch. So joining me to discuss tactics for Q4 and more is a panel of fantastic speakers. We have Georgina Quinn, Head of Inbound Marketing at Lead Forensics. Hiya. Hey. Uh, we have Rachel Hatton, who is Head of Demand Generation at Webio. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Uh, and we have Tess Parsons-Broom, Marketing Manager at Select Technology. Hiya, Tess. Hiya. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, no problem at all. We'll be using the chat function all throughout the webinar, so if anyone from our audience has a question, please feel free to pop it in there and we'll get to it if we have time. So let's get straight into it then. So the first question to our panel is, how do you ensure that you're getting an ROI from the tools you've already invested in? How often do you evaluate your toolbox and who is responsible for ensuring ROI? And I think we'll start with Rachel. Let's come to you on that one. That is a super loaded question. <laughs> you spotted that. Um, yeah. So um, how do we ensure that we're getting the, getting ROI from the tools that we've already invested in? Um, one of the one of the key things that I've been doing with all of the all of the the tools that I'm using, all the tech in my stack is really make sure we can make sure that we're utilizing the, all of the tool i think that um i have been very guilty in the past of getting really excited about a piece of tech having loads of ideas about how i'm going to use it and how i'm going to implement it into the strategy and i can see it fitting in here and here and here putting all the money into it and bringing it on board and then only using like 30 percent of it and i think that we're all guilty of that we're all, we're all busy um, so looking at the tech in the stack and just thinking, right, what are we using? Like, what aspects are we using? How could we be using it, like, better, more um, to our advantage? Um, one thing that I have found recently, which I think has been more common over the last couple of years, is getting involved with the communities behind the tech that you're using um, and then sharing best practices because naturally the, the suppliers that we're working with are going to tell us, like, Here's how you, here's X Y Z of how you should use it, but the best we would speak to is probably the clients and understanding how they've used it, but also the the issues that they've had. So hopefully you can have a bit of a smoother journey. So that'd be my top one is yeah, making sure that you're using the whole of the tool rather than just yeah smaller aspects. And uh, how often would you sort of you know make sure that that is being put into place? The fact that you know you are up to date with how everything works together. To be honest, I think that we're doing it. I think I'm doing it constantly. So at the end of the month, we're analysing how the previous month went. What do we need to do to increase our numbers? 
where where's where's the shortfalls i think that leads in quite well to the how often do we evaluate the toolbox that is happening constantly um, and yes there is a time where i'm sat down doing my budget towards the end of the year and i'm looking at all of that tech and thinking right when have i got renewals coming up like what am i what am i using what can i be using more um, but yes, it's happening constantly. And I'm also getting feedback from the team as well, because they're the ones that are, are using the software. So what do they find is working? And yeah, what do we need to what do we need to put some more work into? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we always technology you know, each and every day, don't we? And it's I'm not sure there's many pieces of software or anything like that or hardware even where it's not changed almost daily. So, yeah, no, I think that's a, a very valid point always new features coming out can't really stay on top of it <laughs> that's exactly what i was going to say that was my answer to my <laughs> to this question um was just making sure that you are actually keeping on top of the updates and the developments in the tools that you're using um i am also guilty of pushing out calls with account managers because everybody's always really busy um, but I do think that's a vital part of maximising your return on investment is making sure that, you know, you are putting the time in to understand how things have changed in the platform, how they're continuously developing it to make it easier for you to use um, and keeping up to date with, you know, your account manager flagging, flagging issues and kind of experiences that you are having when you're having them and not two months down the line when you're like, oh, I'm still having it, I need to fix it. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a really good point there, Rachel, for sure. I think Tess. I think you were going to say it looked like you were about to be jumping in with agreement, but am I wrong? So yeah, no, no, you are right. It's always really awkward on these things, isn't it? Like speaking <laughs> over. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of what Rachel was saying is so true. Um, and I think the way I kind of looked at it as well is so our our marketing is still very much like in involvement um, since I started. Um, like sort of three years ago now so I find that with the tools that we're using it's really important to actually look at what your marketing goals are and how your marketing strategy actually fits in with that to work out whether the tools you're currently working are actually still relevant or if they're going to be relevant in the future um, so uh, I think that's kind of the way that we do it um, and we're actually in the process of refining our toolbox at the moment I think the key thing is to I know what Rachel's saying, like getting really overexcited about some things sometimes, but I think it's good not to be scared of like changing and not to be scared of maybe changing to a different tool um, than what you've been used to. So, for instance, our marketing platform that we're using at the moment, it's just not working for us anymore. And like our goals for the future, it's not really fitting in with what it can deliver and what, what we want to achieve from it. So um, we're kind of in the process of uh evaluating a different um, solution at the moment um, for that kind of like our CRM platform um, so and yeah to what Georgina said as well totally agree but I think you know um, being able to sort of like objectively review what's working and what's not um, especially as budgets are probably going to be getting tighter for most people maybe you're going to have to cut some things out um, so it's just kind of really utilizing what you've got um to get your money's worth i suppose it can be quite daunting i guess to be the person that goes well have we thought about you know changing you know potentially quite a large system over to a, a new platform i guess that, that must be quite tricky um 
Okay, so can you share any relatively low cost or even free tactics that you lean on to maximize your opportunities from your marketing activity? Uh, Georgine, let's come back down to you for that one. It's got to be LinkedIn, hasn't it? <laughs> um, LinkedIn, I think, is a great tool to be leveraging um, from a kind of content perspective, from a brand awareness perspective, um, but also for lead generation as well. Um, connecting with people on a one-to-one -one basis, um, people that you know are peers within the industry that use the same tools that you do, um, that you know do similar sort of marketing tactics and kind of like leverage the same channels that you do. Um, it's a great way to to kind of generate new business and brand awareness for free. Um, so definitely LinkedIn is number one on my list for that. Um, also, kind of like web website conversion tools, I would say chatbot web chats um, they're quite cost effective and obviously because website visitors are actively interested in your services um, you can expect a, a much higher conversion off the back of um, people visiting your website so yeah definitely those two for me from my experience we, we had a, a some who exactly it was it escapes me we had somebody on a webinar saying that their chatbot they utilize they just put little sort of silly gifts like just when they, you know, to get in touch with somebody, it's like, hey, just to grab a bit of attention. So, no, I think it's perfectly valid point. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, LinkedIn makes the world go around, doesn't it? So, <laughs> uh, Rachel, let's come back down to you. The uh, same question, relatively low cost or even free tactics? Yeah, so I completely agree, LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn and Sales Navigator is just come le leaps and bounds in the last couple of years um it's integrated into all of our cadences linkedin um and obviously just getting the brand awareness out there but one of the, i don't know if it's a tactic as such but personalization i think is so important and just weaving personalization into absolutely everything that you do because like things things are tough at the moment like test as you said like marketing budgets are getting cut um cut like we're having to like really stand out in a crowded market and really cut through the noise and i know that we've been like kind of banging the personalization drum for quite a few years now but i think personalization goes so much deeper than the paid at first name and at company name it goes so much deeper than that like you need to be person you need to be personable throughout the whole of the, the cycle, whether it's inbound, outbound. And I think that customer data, uh, prospect data is so valuable. So we are collecting this data all of the time. Like we need to use it to, in our outreach. And I think that is one of the things that we, I think we think that we're doing personalization, um, personalization good, but in a lot of cases, like we could be doing, doing it so much better. So I think that's really important. I think that yeah, increasingly, I, I, I've said this in in previous webinars that we've had this week. That increasingly, it's it's a theme that is coming up. You know, tailoring the experience. And it was, I think, it was um, Amy Kelly we had on earlier in the week, uh, who said from uh, Creative Edinburgh, who said, you know, if you consider B two B, you should really consider it as P two P, so person to person selling, rather because people exactly, buy. Yeah. People. Um, and it was, it was Chris Murray also had a similar point on a, a previous webinar as well. But oh, that was it. His his uh, focus was your website should embody your most personable salesperson. So even the copy that is on your website, the content that's on that site, it should be you know 
but Persper in that sort of similar way. So, um, Tess, low cost of free tactics, anything to add? Um, I think definitely agree with what Georgina and Rachel are saying, like um, LinkedIn particularly. It's a, a great way to you know create buzz and generate reach and hopefully generate those kind of leads. Um, and then obviously from Rachel's perspective, I suppose personalization kind of goes hand in hand with like email marketing. So email marketing is pretty much free. So if you're getting your, you know, if you're able to get people from Lead Forensics, uh, Lead Forensics, people from um, LinkedIn or from your website signed up to some sort of form, you know, you're getting them into your database and that's you're nurturing, um, nurturing that that group of people and that's kind of like continuing is that all about that customer journey so not just about kind of one thing that can work as like a freebie but you know all these things and how they work together I'd also say for us particularly a big focus for this year is and what I learned from everything in marketing content is king so we've invested quite a low cost amount really and anyone can do this for free creating good quality video content um but then you can use these low-cost methods to get it in front of people and it's just really helping us to stand out from the crowd um uh, and you know be completely different we're sort of we've taken a bit of a different um tack so rather than it being this kind of like corporate you know dare I say boring kind of jargon like you know techie jargon we've kind of really tried to inject some personality in so kind of totally what Rachel's saying like that that sort of embodying who we are as a company and so that's getting across to our customers you know it's like what you were saying at any one time you're really only talking to one other person even though you're trying to get like a huge reach so you know um that would be my key way um and Sorry to go on, but um, another one is actually Facebook ads, which sounds a bit strange in the um, business world. But LinkedIn ads can tend to be quite costly. um, And we've actually found there's not a huge return um, or not a huge sort of click through rate. We've got so much more engagement on Facebook ads. We don't know whether it's because, I mean, the main time that people are clicking through uh, between the hours of 10 and 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So. I don't know what that's about. I think it's where people are kind of like, you're not on, if you know what I mean. So you're kind of maybe more inclined to kind of, you know, you're relaxing, an ad pops up, and you're more unlikely to click on it. And that's kind of where we've been using some of our more like fun video content. So that, and it's cheaper than LinkedIn as well. So that's, they're my tip. That's really, that's really interesting because as like, somebody's prospect I get emails all of the time and my work day is so busy I've planned every every minute of every hour I don't invest the time like reading the emails and some Mm. of them are getting really strong emails from products that I want to I want to um, invest the time to research in but I'm not doing it because I'm really busy and Tess I've done exactly that I've scrolled through (laughs) Facebook Instagram I've seen something and I thought I've heard of them and I've clicked on it and I've done I've literally done exactly that so we're not doing Facebook ads yet so I might I'm gonna put that much much cheaper and you can actually be really targeted as well so you're not just kind of targeting everyone you can be specific to location um like type of business 
the type of um, seniority their role is and stuff. So it kind of it it's as good as using LinkedIn, and we saw a lot more success with it with a much smaller budget. <laughs> yeah, video is absolutely what the algorithms are. They're yeah, they're demanding at the minute, aren't they? So um, no, there's some excellent points, some interesting points you made about about Facebook ads. Actually, that's really interesting. I suppose it's it's kind of like a pattern break, isn't it? Because if you're out of sort of the work mode context, like you say, you know, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., if you then see something that's like it could be related to what it is you're going to be doing for, you know, you work the next day or the next month or whatever, it probably stands out more because it is, you know, it's it, you're not expecting to come across that straight away. So, yeah, and I think really you're on LinkedIn, like sponsored ads, and you're kind of like, you know, it's maybe, I mean, most people probably use LinkedIn during their work day. So maybe you're not so inclined to click through on an ad. I don't know, but it seems to work for us. And <laughs> um, just got one other thing to add, and I think this is probably a bit of a rogue answer to free tactics. But I think that at this time of year, it's really important to invest in the team that you've got. I've worked with marketing teams before that we get to Q4, it's our biggest quarter and half of the half the team are burnt out because the, the year's been quite quite challenging. So I think now is a really important time to invest in your team, make sure that everyone's happy, everyone's got everything that they need and you're really like putting the time into them because the the better that that they're feeling, the better they're gonna perform, the better your campaigns are gonna run. So I think that's really that's really important. Yeah, I think personally, I think there's there's not much more um, motivating than being part of a good team as well. So, no, I think it's an excellent point, Rachel. Um, Georgina, I'm going to come back down to you for this one. Have you found any secret formulas to uplift conversions or is the only way to ensure success to seed value throughout the customer journey? For me personally, in my experience, um, I would say that once you have generated that lead and you've got interest from that prospect, really really important to conduct effective handovers um, manage prospect expectations kind of give them a step-by-step -step of what's going to happen um, because I've I found for me personally if you don't kind of hold the prospect's hands through the journey that you're taking them on um, it can be quite overwhelming um, and you can kind of blindside prospects potentially um, and so I think that's definitely a, a fundamental in keeping solid conversions, managing those expectations, but also keeping them front of mind. Um, so, you know, not ramming a time down their throat to see, you know, your solution. You're making sure that it works for them. It's a time that suits for them. Um, you're preparing as much as you humanly possibly can, doing your research, understanding their business, understanding what they want and what they need from your solution. Um, that makes a, a huge difference in terms of conversions. Uh, for, for us at Lead Forensics, we work um, to kind of qualifying. So we generate the lead. We then go through a qualifying process to make sure that is a viable opportunity for us, but also making sure that our prospects gonna, um, our solutions gonna work for them. Um, so I think that qualification process and that um, expectation management is really important to secure some, some solid conversions for sure. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, we, you know, we did promise with this webinar there'd be actionable tips. So, I mean, I, I do hope our audience is uh, taking notes as you speak there, Georgina. Um, Tess, let's come back to you for that one. Any secret formulas to uplift conversions or 
seeding the value throughout the customer journey? So I kind of, I uh, sort of took this question another way. And rather than like sales conversions, I sort of looked at like more marketing conversions. So click-throughs, engagement, um, and kind of comes back to what Rachel was saying about personalization. And I kind of, I think it is a bit of a long game rather than sort of, you know, a secret formula for uplifting conversions that quickly. I think it is, my, from my experience, there's not really a quick win. It's all about nurturing the relationship at every step of the way. So um, what we've been doing, um, this is with our prospects and our current clients as well, um, over the past couple of years, we've really evolved our tone of voice in all of our marketing. Um, so it's a lot more conversational, colloquial, um, less kind of jargon based and much more focused on um, the end result for the customer. So it's much more focused on them. Um, uh, and I think that's had a huge impact on our engagement um, and has encouraged more people in our customer journey. And it kind of reflects the the kind of business that we are. So then when we are at the point where they're talking to our sales team, they're, they're seeing that the personality that we've already, our brand personality that we've already reflected in all of our communication is the same when they then talk to the salesperson. Um, and that's like really key for us. But, you know, we're quite a small business. So we want to reflect that kind of, you know, um, on their level kind of communication. Um, and the past year alone, we've seen, uh, like just on our LinkedIn, just the amount of engagement that we're getting and then conversion through to clicking through to our website. Um, we're getting just so many more inquiries with the way that we're doing things. So, yeah. So striking that sort of that consistent, you know, colloquial tone, as you say, it is vitally important then. And again, we're back to personalization and it's yeah but it seems to be that's what it's all about uh rachel your thoughts on this secret formulas or do you got to put the work in a little bit i mean you've always got to put the work in <laughs> there's there's no there's literally no running away from that and um, one thing that i am doing right this minute like leading up to q4 is looking at where i'm investing the the majority of my budget and then how can I maximize that and for us it is the website so we're we're spending a lot of money driving people to the website and it's just being able to convert more people off the, off the back of it and sometimes there's just some like Tess is right it's a long game like a lot of things are a long game there isn't a lot of quick fixes but there is some small changes that we can make to be more personal to resonate with our audience more just pushes them through the funnel a little bit quicker so not so much a secret formula but i think yeah really drilling down to where you're investing your budget and then maximizing it <laughs> i'm sure that you know we all wish there was a secret formula but if there were <laughs> yeah, it probably would have been discovered a secret formula, then please feel free <laughs> to share yeah, if you got it, text in because uh, <laughs> I do think um, segmentation is quite a kind of mm -hmm. um, is a huge part in terms of conversions for sure. I think that um, a good way to kind of identify your kind of ideal clients: who's what industries are they in, what functions are they based in, how are you, how are they using your solution, and kind of working your way back from there. Mm -hmm. um, data makes the best decisions. Um, so I always always find that looking back through um, your clients, what industries they're in, 
potentially targeting set industries from um, and specific job titles that you so that you can be super personalized. Um, I think kind of reworking that kind of pipeline um, will definitely help with with conversions as well. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll jump to the next question now. So uh, what determines which KPIs are meaningful insights for you to measure? And do you have examples of important KPIs or examples of vanity metrics at all? I think we'll come back to Tess on that one. I don't want to interrupt Rachel drinking some water and have a do a spit take. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously, in marketing, it's kind of twofold, isn't it? Because a lot of it is difficult to measure, but there are some, particularly from a digital perspective, there's some real key ones. So uh, obviously we look at marketing qualified um, inbound leads. So um, that's kind of like a key KPI for us. Um, but something that's like, uh, I suppose, a bit different. Um, so obviously we look at our website and all of the metrics there and they, like we have KPIs for um particularly dwell time and our bounce rate because we feel like the more engaged people are on the website the more likely they are to obviously convert or make an inquiry um what we were actually talking about today um funnily enough is whilst website visits or like the amount of followers that you have on linkedin looks really great i feel I'm feeling more and more that that's a bit more of a vanity metric because, you know, you could you could have like, you know, a thousand people from China visit your website, but that's not going to convert into uh, a sale. So whilst it's great to have increased traffic to your website, you want to make sure it's coming from the right places, which is why we look at these sort of um, more specific metrics of like how long people are staying on the website. And like with LinkedIn, we look at kind of like our interactions um, and our engagement there um, and sort of more specifically on click through rates, video views, impressions, that sort of thing. Um, but actually looking at the amount of followers we have, is that really telling us anything? So we've kind of um, we've been doing a bit of work on that at the moment, to be honest, because I'm sort of working out what our KPIs should be within marketing right now. Um, and also just so email, so open rates, click through rates. Um, and kind of how we can maximize that down the journey as well. Um, kind of linking into what Georgina said, like that sort of segmentation um, and, and kind of lead scoring on your, uh, on your um, database um, are key things for us as well. Um, yeah, I think that's about it that I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, no, it particularly well. So my my background, the stuff that I do for lead friends, I do the you know some video, social media stuff, that sort of thing. So I completely understand, appreciate what you're saying about yes, having loads of followers looked good, but having a, a consistent community which is constantly engaging, that's far more yeah. powerful than just oh look, a million followers who don't do anything at any one you know given time. Exactly. So yeah, that's a fantastic point you make, Tess. Thank you very much. Uh, Rachel, swing back around to you for that one. It determines which KPIs are meaningful insights for you to measure. Basically everything that Tess just said. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> probably just to add into that, obviously ROI. Um, cost per demo is a, huge, is a huge one for us at the moment. We are a growing business, so we have 
cost per demo targets. So we're always looking at right what what channels are doing better than others, what channels are costing us more than others. Um, so that's a really important one for us. And um, one thing that I this is probably up to the debate, but one I do feel like opens and clicks are almost coming a bit of a vanity metric. I I don't know what it is with. Webio's marketing at the moment, but we're not linking our opens and clicks to our email campaign success. Like there hasn't been like there's not really yeah not linking up. I, I don't know what it is. So we are we are still tracking them. We're always tracking our opens and clicks, but it doesn't always um, link up to our response rate. Um, but yeah, I think ROI cost per demo is huge ones, and obviously MQLs. Georgina, your thoughts on that one? Um, I think click-through rates. Um, <laughs> so we actually run, well, we run quite a few a few email marketing campaigns, um, and we saw that we were getting really high open rates, really high click-through rates, um, but our conversion rates were through the floor. Um, and we actually found that the majority of our clicks that we were getting and our opens that we were getting were all what activity. Um, so we were continuously changing our content. We were trying to make it super personalized. We were re-looking at the user journey and the user experience um, before we even looked at where our clicks were actually coming from. Um, and it took us a, a couple of days to realize actually the clicks that we're getting reported into our ESP aren't actually clicks, they're not real. Um, so I do agree that click-through rate is potentially a vanity metric at some point. Um, I think the most important metric for us is MQL generation, um, because I think that if you aren't looking at the quality of the MQLs that you're generating, um, then they could potentially be a vanity metric as well, um, because if they're not genuine, if they're, they, they're not an ICP for you, if they really aren't going to get value from um, your solution or your services, um, ultimately, then they're, they're not going to be valuable to your to your bottom line to your business they're not going to convert um so yeah i think mql generation is definitely a big one for us for sure fantastic so just a, a quick reminder that today's webinar is brought to you by lead forensics which is software that in essence tells you who is visiting your website and can even track specific journeys through your website along with providing you with valuable contact information so you can close could you share any considerations for Q4 specifically when it comes to making the most of your marketing plans? Uh, Tess, I think we'll start with you on that one, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess for us, I mean, the key to all of our marketing is sort of a strategic plan that we make at, well, not even at the beginning of the year. Like, sort of, I'm already making the plans for uh, 2023 um, and making sure that's in line with our business goals um so we're kind of we are hate to like not really answer the question properly but i'd say we're much more focused on like the longer term rather than fo focusing on sort of one quarter to generate leads but one thing i would say is what we do plan specifically for q4 is to really push our um highest value service so we're an it support company but we do, we provide many other managed services than just IT support, but IT support is is the one that's what's going to make us, that's what's going to generate the money. Um, so, and we know actually that between September and November, 
for whatever reason, is a key time for people to look for new IT support. Um, so we kind of make sure that all of our messaging is focused uh, around that particular side of the business. Um, and I would say that's kind of like, that would be my consideration is kind of thinking, what are the things that you, what are the things that could be not an easy win, but what are the things that you could push for that are like higher ticket items? Um, um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's fantastic. You, you seem to lose confidence in your answers. You're saying that, but I thought it was perfectly valid. You're absolutely right. <laughs> because no one else is saying anything, so you're like, hmm. <laughs> it, it comes back to that, you know, you don't want to jump in until, you know, it's all online and everything. No, fantastic. Thank you very much, Tess. Uh, Rachel, back to you for that one. Any considerations for Q4 specifically? Um, I think analysis is key. And like Georgina said earlier, I think segmentation, like and refining your targeting and really focusing on your best performing segments for Q4. Um, we do kind of break our, da our year down quarter by quarter and in Q4 we go hard um, sales sales want their MQLs they're trying to hit their sales targets by the end of the year I know these friends it's exactly the same um, but yeah so I think really focusing on yeah those those target audiences that you've seen the most engagement with throughout the year and then really honing in on them um, we are just about to, um, we just started planning our sort of Christmas ABM campaign. Um, and I think, it's, I know it's that time of year where everyone's getting the same stuff. So just, again, making it super, super, super personal. But and then that analysis goes not just to our target segments, but yeah, across channel as well. So what channels are doing the best? Like what can we, what else can we do with them? Because um, yeah, so it's a really important time. It's a really important time to work to work with sales as well because we're trying to get them those big opportunities that are the slow burners but we're trying to get them we're trying to get those quick opportunities across across the line as well so making sure that sales and marketing are working um super close which we, we do in webio like we work really well together um we're not a huge team across sales and marketing so yeah we've still got really good relationships just making sure that we're super in sync because Butting heads just wastes time, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's certainly not a time to be uh, lifting your foot off the pedal at all, is it? Uh... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Georgina, round us out with this one then. Any consideration um, for people specifically? I would probably say seasonal holidays. Um, so from a marketing and campaign perspective, I think that Q4 is a great opportunity to be super creative um, and just have fun with it. Um, so I think that you definitely need to think about how you can maximise traction by jumping on the bandwagon potentially with the, the seasonal campaigns. Um, but as Rachel said, you need to stand out, you need to cut through the noise and you need to be super creative. Um, but we've got an abundance of opportunity in Q4 to do that. Um, so if you think about Halloween, you've got bonfire night in the US, they have Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas, marketers dream. Um, yeah, so it's definitely take, this time of year. It really is. I love it. It's my favourite time. Um, <laughs> but also for your teams as well. Um, so Rachel, I know that you touched on this earlier about motivating your teams. Q4 is like the last hurdle. It's like the biggest mountain ever. 
Um, and so I think that it's important to to kind of inject some fun into your teams as well. So whether that be doing like a silly Halloween dress up in the office, not many people like to do it, but once they're dressed up, they love it. Um, and I think it just it just oozes positive energy. Um, and the more positive your team are, the better results are going to drive. So yeah, for me, I think Q4 seasonal holidays is number one. I'm going to hold you to that, I think, Georgina. If you're not dressed as Dracula on the 31st of October, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> You've got it on record, Joe. I'm doing it. <laughs> okay, so, guys, this has been a fantastic discussion. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. If there is one key takeaway that our audience should implement, one key thing to remember from this discussion, the golden nugget of advice what would that be for you so let's start with Tess one thing would you desperately want our audience to take away in action uh content create content that's different to your competitors stand out from the crowd because everyone's saying the same thing um so you want to be able to say it a bit differently and, and absolutely using video to do that as well yeah, yeah video content i should have been specific yeah video content that's what we're doing it's working so well in b2c it's starting to work a lot more in b2b um, especially if you kind of do it uh if you go on to our just a little plug if you go onto our website or onto our linkedin um you'll see some of the videos that we've done and it's just like about making a bit more fun kind of linking into what Georgina said as well like last year we did this really fun Christmas competition across our website and the amount of traffic that it drove to our website which I know is vanity metric as I said <laughs> but the amount of traffic that it drove to our website and the amount of chat that it created with our sales team and our clients and loads of people kind of complimenting it saying it's like really different and put a smile on their face especially at that time because you know it was like still COVID heavy this time last year um so you know it's that kind of like raising people's spirits as well and it's not just for the short term marketing is a long game and you've got to nurture those relationships tess thank you so much it's brilliant uh georgina one key takeaway from you please oh one i would say have if, fun if you can <laughs> have fun with it motivate your teams and have fun a takeaway dress, dress as dracula on the 31st of october that's what you'll say <laughs> thank you so much Georgina. and finally last but very much not least rachel one key takeaway from you mine is to personalize personalize your email campaigns your social campaigns your website make sure that everything is 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 personalized because yeah it's a crowded market out there you gotta cut through the noise you gotta be rememberable so yeah, personalise. Fantastic, Rachel. Thank you so much. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us uh, on the panel uh, to all our speakers. It's been really good fun chatting to all of you. I do hope that our audience has taken away a lot of very useful information there. There's a lot of valuable content going on. Um, so again, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Yeah.